Welcome back into episode 21 of the Rattle Podcast. Baseball is back and so are we. My name is Jesse Friedman along with Jeff Weiser, my co-host here on the Rattle Podcast. Uh, Welcome back in. It has been a while, but we certainly have enough things to talk about here um, for another episode of the Rattle Podcast. And frankly, we may even have too much to talk about here in this episode, so we'll see how much we're how much we're able to make it to. But, uh, Jeff, we officially have Major League Baseball. Uh, the owners and the players did not particularly reach any sort of agreement, um, but they it seemed like it was more of an agree-to-disagree uh, kind of situation, and, and let's just play ball anyway. And so uh, Rob Manfred went ahead and mandated a 60-game season. We have yet to see the schedule uh, for said season. Um, but, Jeff, baseball is here. And I'm curious, just right off the bat, before we jump into all of the nitty gritty details, this season obviously will not look like any other season we have seen before, but let's just hold it right there. What does it mean for baseball to be played in 2020 as opposed to, uh, you know, this this opportunity for the game to, to kind of go by the wayside as we suspected it might? You know, I think um, given the standing that baseball's had sort of in the greater landscape of of American sports and like the American sports discourse, I think we've seen the national pastime sort of slip, um, you know, pretty, you know, pretty resoundingly um, over the decades, you know, in terms of popularity. So I I really did feel like in a sense that baseball was very vulnerable, um, you know, as compared to some of the other sports in terms of uh, missing a season and the ramifications that might um, that might lead to. So um, in that sense, I'm certainly happy it's back. Um, it's been nice to think about actual baseball again, um, very <laughs> selfishly, um, very, very selfishly, but, but it, it has provided, um, you know, a whole new thing and it's, you know, it was tough to sort of stay engaged at times and, um, through all the back and forth. Uh, but it was like, once the announcement came, it's been full speed ahead for me. So, um, you know, personally, personally pretty pumped about it. Yeah, well, let's let's jump into some of the details here. So we've got a 60-game schedule, which, as I mentioned, as of this moment, has not been unveiled just yet. Uh, but we do know kind of the, the skeleton of that schedule. It's going to be 40 games against your division opponents, uh, 10 each. So the Diamondbacks will play 10 games against the Dodgers, the Rockies, the Giants, and the Padres. And then they will also play 20 games against uh, each of the five teams in the AL West division. Uh, so there will be no... Uh, no interregional travel with how this this schedule is created. The Diamondbacks will only play NL West and AL West teams, uh, and that goes for, of course, all of the other teams around the league as well. They will only play games in their division and in the regional equivalent in the other league. That's basically uh, how Major League Baseball has laid this out, of course, to to try to mitigate travel and um, and and uh, kind of cross pollinating the virus, if you will. Um, based on based on that travel that normally would happen over the course of a, of a regular season. Uh, some of the I- interesting rules that have that have come out of this situation, if you've been following this, you're, you're probably familiar with these, but we'll give you a quick rundown. Uh, the designated hitter uh, will be implemented into the National League uh, this season, which, of course, is is not necessarily a new idea. It's something that's been tossed around for for years and years, uh, but it, it seems to have come a, a little bit sooner uh, than we than we expected it would be, and I don't believe it's it's necessarily part of the 2021 season. But there's certainly a lot of speculation that the DH will be will be with us on a full time basis sooner rather than later. But I'm sure we'll we'll jump into that soon. Uh, we also have a, a really interesting rule 
in extra innings, uh, which has been in place in the minor leagues in the past. So this is something that has been done before, but not at the major league level. Uh, They're going to start with a runner on second base uh, in extra innings in each of the half innings in order to try to expedite the end of the game and try to avoid these, you know, 18, 19 inning games um, over the course of, of this shortened season. It is 60 games over 66 days. I think that's important to mention as well. This is a really, really tight fit. Uh, and so those those longer drawn out extra inning games, certainly uh, if they can avoid those, I think I think that would be probably best for everyone. Um, other than that, Jeff, we've, we've got a few other a few other fun ones. Uh, the pitchers will uh, have a wet rag in their back pocket to try to try to maintain their grippiness, I suppose, instead of instead of the rosin bag, having everyone touch that same thing. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch. We ha- we have a six foot force field essentially around all of the umpires. Um, so any any conversations between managers and umpires have to be distanced by six feet, which uh, historically uh, is not how those conversations have gone. So so that will be interesting to see. Uh, and then the other big thing is is just the roster construction. So you've got uh, not only sixty games, but you have sixty players all together that you're kind of allowed to have in your system. And and they will start with 30 of those players on the active roster, which will turn into 28 two weeks later and then 26, uh, I believe, two weeks after that. Um, and then they'll they'll play with 26 players through the end of the season. Uh, trade deadline is August 31st, uh, which is interesting that that is uh, hardly more than a month from the start of the season. So these teams will not have a whole lot of time to, to figure out what they want to do or even if if it's even really worth investing um, at the trade deadline in a season that that is certainly far from a sure thing with the coronavirus, of course, still out there uh, and looming over over the, the prospects of this season down the road as we get further into it. Uh, Jeff, that's that's kind of a, a quick layout of all of the rules. I'm curious. There's there's a lot in there. But what stands out to you about just some of the weird things that Major League Baseball has going with this season? I, I think what stands out to me is that you did a wonderful job of recapping a ton of information in about two and a half minutes. Um, and if you could have just, you know, maybe done all of this a few months ago, we'd already be watching baseball. Um, but no, that was great. Um, that was great. And it, it is, it's kind of a lot to digest. I know there, there are folks that have been following along with every sort of, you know, every sort of little piece of news that trickles out and, and those that maybe haven't, but um, that's worth rewinding and listening to, in my opinion, if, if you want to get a handle on the season that's about to take place, because um, it is different than we've ever seen. I think a few things for me that, that I would emphasize are things that maybe I've seen people misunderstand or uh, things that just kind of stick out are um, around that sort of, um, you know, 60 man roster. And it's kind of been been dubbed the 60 man roster, but it's that's really um maybe a misnomer or, or, or maybe not as descriptive of language as, as what um, the 60 man player pool really is. So um, there's still a 40 man roster and, and to be um, on the active, you know, on the active roster, you have to be on the 40 man roster. So um, for yeah. those players that are part of the 60 that aren't on the 40 man, um, if they were to be called up to the, to the big leagues, um, someone from the 40 man would have to go just like normal Um and in some of those other, you know, normal um, procedures still exist. If you uh, get sent from the active roster, you know, back into the sort of, you know, other player pool, um, you still have to stay down for 10 days before you can come up, um, which is a really long time uh, in, in this season. 
Um, you know, 10 days is, 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 uh, you know, a fair sized chunk of the season, um, depending on when games are played. And so those kinds of things stand out. I mean, it still counts as an option. So you're still burning an option year, um, if that happens and those sort of things. So, um, there are some, some nuances that are different. I, I tend to kind of think of, uh, the, the 60 man player pool is like, uh, the major league guys plus sort of, you know, some condensed and distilled version of your farm system. Um, and then that's essentially what you have. And, and there are some guys that are in that pool that, that we know probably won't see the, the major league field, but they're there for sort of development time. And those are your, your top prospect types. Um, you know, those are those guys. So your, your, your Corbin Carroll's, your Alec Thomas's, um, Christian Robinson's situation was really unique. I, I know that, um, you know, he had had concerns about being able to go to the Bahamas to go home and come back and whether or not he'd be allowed back in the country. Um, so yeah. he has stayed at Salt River Fields and will continue to practice with the other 60-man player pool. So the D-backs, in essence, are using sort of a loophole in the rules to um, have a 61-man player pool. I, I don't think he can be called up to the majors, but, um, you know, he'll be there and getting at bats off guys, frankly, that are um, quite a lot older and quite a lot more advanced than him. And all that's going to be really good development time for these young guys. Um, so those are some of the things that stand out to me. And, and of course I would be remiss to not mention the wet rag. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what to make of that, but, uh, I, I'm sure it will blow up all over Twitter the first time we see one. It's funny. You, you said, you mentioned, uh, Christian Robinson, just staying at salt river fields. Now I just have this, this vision of Christian Robinson, just hanging out in a tent cot at salt river fields. <laughs> and just hasn't, hasn't moved in months, just baking in the sun during the day. Hopefully, hopefully they gave him a, an indoor place to stay as well. Uh, but that's beside the point. Um, yeah, the, the wet rag is interesting. Uh, the, the six foot thing with the, with the umpires is interesting mm -hmm. as well. And, and I think all of that stuff just underscores that, this season is going to be unlike anything we have ever seen before uh, in Major League Baseball. There's going to be very little about this season that, that feels normal. I know right now it's, it's kind of the trendy thing. A bunch of people are putting out their articles about all of the weird statistical things that can happen over a, over a 60 game season. Cause obviously yeah. your counting stats aren't, aren't going to, aren't going to total up like they would over 162, but, but some of the other statistics like your batting average or, uh, you know, your on-base percentage, your slugging percentage, or, or things like that, those numbers have the potential to shoot up in ways that that we have not seen um, in, in any kind of normal Major League Baseball season. And so uh, I think Major League Baseball posted uh, just a graphic the other day that, that talked about some of the different things that have happened over a 60-game stretch in, in MLB history. And, and it was just, it was unreal. I think Barry Bonds in 2001 hit 37 home runs over a 60 game stretch there was a guy who had 90 rbis over a 60 game stretch i can't remember who that was uh, but the point being there there's kind of a lot of potential for some fun here uh, in terms of statistics I, I think mike trout posted like five and a half war at one point in his career over a 60 game stretch uh, so yeah all of that to say there's there's a lot of interesting things that can happen over 60 games that that would not normally be able to happen over 162. Yeah, that's it's gonna be pretty wild. Um, there's so much variance. There are so many variables, and like you said, we're we're gonna see some really crazy lines. Um, you know, I've seen the odds of someone hitting 400, and they are really really slim. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the 400 all, thing is still pretty far-fetched. Yeah, but also the odds are pretty significantly better than they would be in any other situation. So um, <laughs> if you're looking for someone to do that, now's your probably your best hope. Um, but yeah, it, it's really, really goofy um, what we could see in a 60-game stretch. And I think it's going to be high highs and low lows. And, you know, the, the other side of that coin is there are dudes that really scuffle for you know, um, go through sort of extended slumps. And uh, if you open the season, you know, with one or, um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly uh, managers, you know, cut bait on guys and, um, you know, go in another direction. They have uh, very little incentive under this uh, scenario to really stick with a struggling player. Um, And I'm not talking about guys that are hitting the ball hard right at people, you know, making outs and, you know, it's like, ah, we'll get them next time. It's, it's more the guys that come up, uh, look a little lost, um, you know, bad at bats, uh, timing is off clearly, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, you can't really write it out very long. And I think Tori Lavello has spoken to that a little bit in regard to the DH spot. So I'm um, going to really lean on sort of like very recent performance as a way to, to settle who, who's going to be in that role. So um, I think I think that's going to really provide us some uh, some food for thought and um, something to think about because uh, as weird as that's going to be for the Diamondbacks, it's going to be, you know, the same for the other 29 clubs. So um, I, I think there could be a lot of movement, a lot of roster movement. We could see guys change, guys in, out um, pretty quickly. And I think the team that, you know, was able to kind of hit the ground running and just, just sort of roll with it um, is probably going to be in, in, in a pretty good position. I, I do think the D-backs um, – you know, for, for some of what they may lack in star power um, are in a better position than, than some other clubs in the sense that uh, they don't rely on one bat. Yes, Cattell Marte is, is far and away the, the best offensive player for the club, but, um, you know, they have enough depth in the lineup. And, and, and to, to Hazen's credit, he did, did a lot of that work over the winter. But, um, you know, they could handle a guy, you know, here or there, maybe being a little sluggish because the rest of the lineup is deep enough. And I think he's got enough depth around uh, around that lineup that, that he will have options. Um, so it's really going to be incumbent upon them to to, uh, you know, turn it up from, you know, day one. They're going to have to play with a lot of intensity. Yeah, I want to I want to jump into that 60 man roster that the Diamondbacks released uh, and just some of the names that are here and in some of the names that are not here. Uh, Mike Leak was an initially on the roster that we've received, but we expect that his name will be taken off as he became the first player uh, to opt out of this Major League Baseball season, which, of course, is something that Major League Baseball is is certainly allowing and supporting in a situation like this. And, and we would certainly support anyone in, in that decision as well, given the circumstances of this season and that really all of these players, if, if they do choose to come back, are are taking on some sort of risk. Uh, I think it depends on on who you ask, just how much risk is involved here. Um, but certainly we can we can understand anyone wanting to do that for the for the safety of their parents or or their kids or their wife or or whatever that may look like for them. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So so Mike Leak has opted out of the season, which I know we'll we'll talk a little bit more in, in a few minutes here about the implications of that. Other notable things on on the 60 man player pool. 
Uh, Yasmani Tomas is is not here, which I, I don't know how notable that really is. Um, but I think a lot of people would have expected to see his name, especially with the DH. And, and he is not here uh, when, you know, guys like Trace Thompson and John Jay and uh, some of these other non-roster invitees from the from the beginning of spring are here. And, and Yasmani is not. I think that kind of speaks to the, to the Diamondbacks just outlook on him as a player and and how they don't seem to really think he, he really has a place uh, with this team. And, and that's not really super surprising, given that. Tomas mm-hmm. has seen all of, you know, about five games of playing time since uh, since Mike Hazen took over here in Arizona. So mm-hmm. uh, so maybe that's not too surprising. Uh, other notable things. There's a lot of prospects on this list, uh, which might get people excited that, you know, oh, maybe we'll see Corbin Carroll at, at the major league level at some point this year. I, I do not think that will happen. Uh, but his name is on the list, and that's because uh, there is no minor league baseball season that was made official yesterday. And so pretty much the only way to make sure that guys are, are getting consistent work in and and, you know, have guys to face and, and are in a good uh, situation to, to kind of continue their player development. The only way to do that is to put those guys on this 60 man roster. Um, so you see Corbin Carroll's name. You see pretty much all of the top prospects except for for Christian Robinson, as you mentioned. Um, but there's a there's a lot of a lot of guys on this list who. Uh, you know, maybe they're not on this list yet to contribute at the major league level, but but we certainly hope that that will be the case soon. Um, Jeff, I'm, I'm curious, was there was there any name uh, who is here or who is not here that, that kind of surprised you when this when this roster came out? Yeah, the one that surprised me the most was um, uh, 2020 first round pick Bryce Jarvis. Um, sure. Par- partly because the club has not made. Um, any sort of like large formal announcement in regard to him signing. So um, <clears throat> I'll be honest, it kind of caught me by surprise to even see his name listed here. Um, not from an ability standpoint, just from a uh, from the standpoint of, you know, hey, we haven't really, you know, heard much about um, the the players, the Diamondbacks drafted um, since the draft took place. We've heard very little about signings. Um, their fifth round pick did sign yesterday. Uh, Jarvis obviously signed, hence why he's on the roster. Um, and so we're waiting on uh, to see if picks from uh, their their second, third, and fourth picks will sign. Um, but but that was encouraging to see him there. Um, I know these sessions and uh, you know summer camp, uh, as as we may call it, is going to probably be closed to the public. Um, but it'll be interesting to hear the news that starts to trickle out um, as it pertains to Bryce Jarvis and. Um, you know, how quickly he's able to get acclimated and up to speed with these professional guys. And, you know, there are a lot of guys on this list that were drafted, you know, obviously far, far uh, lower than him. But, you know, over time have really sharpened up and become really impressive pitchers. And he's going to have to kind of jump right in there from day one and, you know, uh, get a locker, you know, near, uh, you know, near a guy like Madison Bumgarner and share a locker room with him. (laughs) um, I I imagine he's going to have some really interesting, like, first days on the job. So, um, that's, that's really interesting to me. Um, one other guy that does stand out to me here is Luis Frias, uh, who's a guy that I got a lot of looks at, uh, young right-handed pitcher. I, I saw him plenty in Hillsboro. Um, the, frankly, the fastball curveball combo is lethal. Um, and he's not someone I would expect to see the majors. Um, but I do also think that if you put him in a big league bullpen right now, you know, with him being sharp, uh, he, he could get guys out. Um, in short stints. So 
Um, it, yeah, you're looking at some some pretty nasty stuff from him. So those are the two guys that really jump out at me. There aren't there aren't guys that were omitted really that um, you know I, I can't sort of you know at least tell you know figure out sort of why they were omitted. So. Uh, this feels about right. And I, I just think it's going to be a tremendous opportunity for some of these young guys to step in and, and learn from older guys about how they go about their business, how they've got there and, um, you know, really get a chance to face some dudes that are considerably advanced from anything they have ever seen before. Yeah. I, w- I want to throw a plug in there for your piece on the diamondbacks draft. Um, cause that did happen since our, since our last show, we won't, we won't jump into it extensively today, but head over to the rattle.net and find Jeff's article on what the Diamondbacks did and what was a, an abbreviated kind of a weird, just five player draft. Yeah. Uh, but Jeff did a, did a great job there breaking, breaking that down. So, uh, so definitely go and check that out. Um, in terms of, uh, we talked about some of these prospects and how we're not really expecting to see many of them, but there are a, a few that I think we do expect to see, or at least would not be surprised to see, uh, in the major league at the major league level this season, those those guys being Dalton Varsho, uh, who of course was was a very exciting guy in spring and and someone we we were hoping to see at some point this year, maybe as a September call up. Uh, we'll we'll see how how that pans out, but certainly he's a guy who at this point in his career seems to have to have earned uh, the right to to play at the major league level based on on what he did in Double A last season. So wouldn't be surprised to see him. Seth Beer is another name that comes to mind. He was a little bit slow last year after getting traded over to the Diamondbacks in the Zach Greinke trade, uh, but he is a first baseman. Uh, a lot of people think of him more as a DH given his defensive challenges and and the fact that the National League will have a DH this season certainly opens the door uh, for Seth Beer to, to get some to get some playing time at the major league level. Uh, the Diamondbacks have been pretty open in saying that that, that DH position can really be a revolving door or it really could be just one guy depending on if, if someone is able to separate themselves uh, from the competition and, and I think Seth Beer probably has at least a shot to, to make that happen and, and secure that spot over the next few weeks of, of summer camp. Um, another name JB Bukowskis is maybe a bit of a reach. He really struggled in in double A last year after the trade also coming over in the Granky deal of course. Uh, but he's a guy who who people viewed as as maybe being MLB ready at some point this season. So uh, based on on what they see in camp, I think that's possible. And the last name for me is is Andy Young, um, who you know if any, if there's any guy on on the diamond in the Diamondbacks farm system who I think they've kind of beat into the ground uh, with, with minor league baseball, it's it's probably Andy Young. I, I think he's shown that he doesn't really have anything else to learn at the minor league level. He's ready for the majors. He was really really good. Uh, admittedly over a small sample size, but I think he was like eight for 21 or something like that um, during spring. So he was certainly looking good before things got shut down. Uh, so Jeff, out, out of those four guys, is there, you know, maybe a name that you're particularly excited to see at some point in 2020? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I, I think to state the obvious, I think Varsho makes a ton of sense. Um, I, you know, I think that uh, this season, um, he, he was likely to probably see the field at some point this season anyways. Um, so it doesn't, so, I mean, for, first for me, like that, uh, one of the factors for me is that the timing has to sort of make sense. And, and he was on that track to begin with. So to me, that makes sense. Um, and there is sort of the, uh, the, the, the quote unquote taxi squad of, uh, three players that do not have to be on the active roster 
um, but can travel with the club on road trips. Uh, so essentially it's those, uh, kind of emergency guys. If someone was to go down the night before you're trying to avoid, um, some, you know, some extra travel or that last minute call up or, um, you know, how do I shuttle a guy, you know, I guess you don't have to worry about going across the country, but, you know, uh, going from Arizona to Seattle, for example, is still a, a considerable trip. So um, they'll have those guys at their disposal. And the rules state that one of those three players has to be a catcher. Well, if I'm looking at the depth chart, Dalton Barshall probably makes the most sense there. So mm. um, I think that I think we do probably see him at some point. Um, and then, you know, I will I will also piggyback on uh, Andy Young. Um, the dude can can flat out hit. Uh, he absolutely demolished AAA pitching last year. Um, you know, uh, spoiler, so did everyone else. Um, but at the <laughs> same time, uh, he's shown uh, some pretty tremendous growth over his time coming up in the Cardinal system and now um, being with the Diamondbacks. And as you alluded to, I mean, there's really um, there's not much for him to do uh, at the at the minor league level. Uh, it's really come time, and he's already on the 40 man roster. Um, it's really come time to see. Um, what he can do against major league pitching. Um, and so I'm very hopeful for him. He's older. He's a little bit of an older prospect, uh, but very, you know, is, is kind of come into his own, is who he is, and sort of more of that second baseman sort of utility infielder type who could probably play some third. Um, and I, I think he gives uh, Tori Lavella some nice flexibility. Um, it might be sort of a, you know, I don't think he can play the outfield per se uh, like Josh Rojas did, but can be kind of that, um, just another, another kind of cog there. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked, uh, if he finds his way somehow onto that 30 man group to open the season, just given, uh, his hitting ability. Another, another important thing to, to bring into the conversation here is that the, the playoffs were not expanded, which I know is something that was basically <laughs> in every possible agreement up until the very end between the, the league and the players association, but they ultimately didn't come to an agreement. So at least as of right now, I know Tony Clark said the other day that he wouldn't rule out that being renegotiated. I think he said that about five days ago now. Um, so maybe this changes, but as of this moment, the playoffs have not been expanded. So you've got your, your typical division winners, two wild cards uh, coming from each league. So 10 total teams out of the 30 will make it to the playoffs. And uh, and Jeff, let let's talk playoffs here for a moment. I know yeah. you found a you found an interesting piece over at FanGraphs that uh, looked at teams' uh, playoff percentages over 162 games, and then also created uh, statistics for their playoff odds over a 60 game season for the Diamondbacks. For those who are curious, over 162, FanGraphs had them at 17.1 percent of making the playoffs in a 60 game playoff. Uh, situation they are now at 23.1 percent mm -hmm. uh, so I guess you get a you get a six percent bump there in in your playoff odds which makes sense right you've got a a smaller number of games there's certainly uh, more opportunity for uh, fluky type things to happen and and you know maybe some of the uh, not as good teams kind of jump into the mix and and teams like the Dodgers on the other hand had their playoff numbers go from almost 98% down to around 86%, which of course is, is still pretty high. Um, but th it's just a really interesting situation where, uh, you know, you don't have, you don't have more playoff slots. So things look the same from that standpoint, but just given a, a shorter span of time, uh, the Dodgers in, in, in the last few years in the NL West, we all know the Dodgers generally don't run away with the division. 
you know, in the first two or three weeks. Generally, they they tend to be behind uh, for the first month or so of the season, and then they kind of catch up and and things eventually even out, and they win the division by 20 games uh, come come October. But it certainly leaves room for a team like the Diamondbacks to to kind of swoop in and uh, and and potentially accomplish something that wouldn't be nearly as likely over a full 162 game season. Yeah, I the, what what the shortened season does, yeah, really, and and you know, is just highlight sort of the volatility of of what's about to take place, um, or these odds do, and so we sort of see a redistribution of um, you know of odds and, and and of maybe shares of of the playoff picture, um, sort of get redistributed where those top teams and like you said, the Dodgers are you know a great example. You're you're totally right. They don't often hit the ground running and run away with the division at the beginning of the season, um, but they wear you down over 162 games because they have so much depth. They don't give away at bats um, and all those kinds of things. Well, some of those advantages you know start to go away uh, when you really truncate the season. Uh, you can't grind it out the same way in essence. So, yeah. So I think what we've seen is just really see a lot of these odds kind of get shifted around and. Um, you know, uh, spread out a little more evenly, um, you know, across baseball and especially across the National League picture. So, um, you know, it was it was interesting, Jesse. I, I really had thought when they were discussing some of the expanded playoff scenarios, it you know just kind of felt like, well, you know, there's almost no way the Diamondbacks won't won't make that. You know, they sort of felt like, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, they they've got to finish kind of in the top eight you know, or something thereabouts. And so they'll, they'll get in a uh, larger playoff format. That'll be fine. They'll make it. And then, you know, when it did get announced kind of later in the, in the process that things weren't going to change, you know, it definitely now sort of gives me pause because I could see this team. Um, I could see this team winning 30 games. Uh, I could see this team winning 40 games and I could see this team winning 20 games. Um, <laughs> and what happens within that is, is very small. I mean, it's very, very minor. It's uh you know, it's, it's one little injury. It's, uh, you know, a couple of bad starts, you know, piled on top of each other, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, you know, maybe it's, 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 it's a hitter or two having a, an, an ill-timed slump. Um, but those kinds of things are going to have massive reverberations. And I think that's kind of reflected in these odds and that um, essentially the odds are less certain of the top teams and, um, you know, are giving a bit of a chance to the teams that were, you know, kind of in the middle of the pack or just below. So, um, it's worth noting that the Diamondbacks still only have the 11th best odds um, in the National League for making the playoffs. So, yeah, not not certainly not not a lock, uh, but also you know being 11th, they're really not far behind you know kind of the top five either. So uh, it's going to be weird. It's going to be wild. It's going to be really fun. Yeah, it's interesting. The looking at those numbers, the San Diego Padres are actually higher than the Diamondbacks pretty significantly. They were. Uh, listed at f- around 41% to make the playoffs over 162 games, which uh, honestly, given the Padres' track record, I, I know they've got some some young pieces and, and they made some additions over the offseason, but that certainly felt like a, a pretty generous uh, prediction for, for a team that was still in the low 70s and wins as of last year. Uh, but even over the 60-game season, they still give the Padres a 36.4% chance of making the playoffs, which is, mm-hmm. which is still about 13% bigger uh, than the Diamondbacks. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to to see how things shake out. Another uh, interesting tidbit I want to throw in there is is last season. If you look at the Diamondbacks' first sixty games of the year, they were a dead split thirty and thirty. If you look <laughs> at their last sixty games of the year, they were actually thirty four and twenty six. 
uh, that's kind of when they when they made their stride toward the end of the year. They had kind of been as as we talked about over and over and over again on the show uh, throughout the season last year. They were kind of uh, teeter tottering between you know one game under 500, one game over 500, 500. It seemed like they were kind of stuck in that range for for most of the year. But they did make a nice run. Uh, toward the end of the season and and you know 34 wins over 60 games is is certainly a a pretty a pretty solid outing to have uh one question that we got i want to jump into our to our questions from our listeners here we have a really good one from matt Steele. he says what constitutes success in this 60 game season is a postseason or bust or the young core continues to improve and i think that is a that is a phenomenal question because uh, frankly, from one standpoint, I want to say, you know, the season's a success if we even manage to play it, uh, just given the the coronavirus and, and everything that's going on right now, especially in Arizona, where, where cases are really shooting up at the moment. Um, but Jeff, what, what do you think? What would a success look like for the Diamondbacks over these 60 games? Yeah, I mean, you know, in a sense, right, uh, I'm a very competitive person, and I feel like the Diamondbacks went to a lot of efforts this winter to put a team on the field that they feel like can compete and win. Um, They were able to get Madison Bumgarner to sort of, you know, take the discount up front. They were able to swing the trade for Starling Marte. Um, They've they've kind of like, you know, really made a push here. Um, And it would feel, you know, kind of just, uh, I don't know, unfulfilling if they, if they don't reach the postseason. But then there's that part of me that's like, this thing's going to be totally weird. Uh, and <laughs> we could see some really, really wild outcomes. And so, like, maybe I shouldn't be so tethered to that. Um, but I do feel like um, we are kind of, I will say, I think I, I think personally, uh, we are beyond the sort of, like, let's improve. Um, I would love to see the prospects improve, but I don't think they're going to be doing that on the major league field. I think they're going to be doing that behind closed doors where we won't really see it. Yeah. Um, this group though, this group that should be, you know, that would constitute your 26 man roster. This is a decent group. Um, this is a decent group with, with a fair amount of experience who I think um, needs to make a push. And if this thing is really weird and there are a bunch of, you know, the, the league is the national league is really top heavy um, or, or there's really nothing in the middle and the Diamondbacks, you know, win a bunch of games and fall short, um, you know, okay, you know, I could probably get over that. But I think this is a team that really needs to finish above 500. Um, and I, I think they really need to make that push for the playoffs. Personally, I just, I think they've done enough. They've seen enough. Um, some of these guys, you know, even the young guys are now in their second, third years, like Luke yeah. Weaver, Carson Kelly, like, let's, let's do it. You know, let's do it. It's, it's time to go. So so let's make it happen. That's that's kind of where I'm at. But I'm, I'm super interested to hear your take. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. I think it's it's easy to uh, look at the Diamondbacks as of, you know, last July and say, you know, they traded away their ace. It, it seemed like they were, you know, yeah. building for the future. But I, I think Mike Hazen turned that narrative around pretty quickly. Uh, getting Zach Gallen was was more a move for yep. now than than for later. And obviously they have team control with him for for several years into the future. So, you know, it's not like a like a one and done type of thing. But the Diamondbacks are in a position where they want to 
get something done this season. Uh, you wouldn't go and trade for Starling Marte. You wouldn't bring in Madison Bumgarner if that was not the case. And, and I know those moves happened so long ago now that it's it's hard to really even feel in touch with uh, with the, where the state of this franchise was going into spring. But the conversations we were having back in March were this team should make the playoffs or, or maybe not should, but really, really needs to get really close yeah. mm-hmm. in order for us to, to feel good about their progress. Right. And, and they also won 85 games last year. Yeah. You know, the Diamondbacks weren't, they were not, you know, a mainstay in the playoff race the, the whole season. They were kind of near 500, but they didn't finish that far away. And they certainly added more than they subtracted over the off season. So, uh, I think I'm with you there, Jeff. I think I, I don't know if I would quite say playoffs or bust, but uh, the Diamondbacks really need to be in that conversation for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And that to me, you know, and, and I know this is going to be a really weird variable season. And like every time a game goes to the 12th inning and, you know, they put a runner on second and you lose like we're going to want to blame the rule change or, you know, <laughs> um, something like that. But, you know, it, they really need to – they have the talent to be in the conversation deep into the season. And um, anything less than that is going to feel um, – it's going to be hard to take away moral victories um, from anything, mm-hmm. you know, anything less than that. So um, this team is it, – it is it is young in spots. Um, but it also has proven that it can, it can do it. It can do it in stretches. You know, last year I do feel like they – sort of underperformed in a sense where they just they just couldn't catch fire they couldn't keep it going you highlighted it you know there was all that toggling you know plus or minus like two games of 500 for long stretches of the season and um then they sort of like found that gear and started ripping off wins and it's like you're good enough to do that you know and i i hope that Mm -hmm. that they feel that way um and really embrace it and lean into it because uh, again i think that teams that come out firing and you're almost going to have to have kind of a, a a little bit of a college football mentality of you know every game is of the utmost importance or at least a college baseball mentality and um, you know mm-hmm. th- it's not a long game it's a short game this year and um, you know it's we're having some guys some kind of high energy guys like a you know having an Archie Bradley um, you know having some of these guys around that that aren't afraid to have a little swag like Cato Marte you know like. Uh, even that that presence of, of a guy like David Peralta, like can like let's lean on that, let's let's get pumped up, let's drive the freight train uh, from day one because every game is going to be extremely valuable. Jonathan Cuellar wanted to know who is the favorite to win the fifth spot in the rotation now that Leak has opted out, which of course is also a great question. With as we talked about before, Mike Leak opting out of the season, it kind of opens up a fifth starter conversation. Uh, I think before, if I remember right, in in spring, we were kind of going back and forth between Mike Leake and Merrill Kelly. At least that was that was kind of the conversation in my mind. So I think uh, in, in my in my case, Jeff, I, I would say you probably just just give that to Merrill Kelly. Uh, we do have a, a follow up question uh, on, in regards to that from Mike Cleary. He said, uh, who is better every fifth day between Alex Young and Merrill Kelly, assuming they don't go with a six man rotation and assuming one through four is Madison Bumgarner, Robbie Ray, Zach Allen, and Luke Weaver, which I think is pretty likely. You can you can probably pencil those four guys in for sure. Uh, so so Mike kind of poses this question is between Alex Young and Merrill Kelly, which I th- I think is fair. Alex Young is is definitely the next guy up uh, that I would that I would consider in that move. 
Uh, but I think just given the fact that, you know, Merrill Kelly threw, what was it, like 170 innings last year in the majors, he wasn't lights out, but he also really wasn't that bad either uh, with an ERA right around 4-3 or 4-4 or something like that, which you can certainly stomach at the back of a rotation. And and based on what we've heard from Mike Hazen and Tori Lovello, it doesn't sound like a six-man rotation is uh, super likely at this point. Um, Tori Lovello the other day said he was a traditionalist and, and he likes the five-man rotation. So I think it's something they would look into if if they needed to for, I don't know, some sort of health reason or something. But it, it certainly didn't look like something the Diamondbacks were planning to do. Yeah, and I, I would lean I would lean sort of the same direction. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I really would. I, I know that, um, you know, Merrill Kelly had sort of, you know, an up and down year. He had months where he was, you know, times when he was certainly better. Um, you know, his his time in September was really quite good. Um, and he closed the year out fairly strong despite, you know, hitting, you know, some pretty tough sledding there in, in July and August. Um, but one of the other elements of this that I think maybe helps decide um, helps decide this route is, um, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure uh, how much work they're going to be willing to give um, Luke Weaver right out of the gate. And mm. if you have to keep Luke Weaver on some sort of pitch count, um, and even if that pitch count is relatively high, but you're just, you know, you're going to be very careful with his innings um, and with his workload. Uh, having a lefty like Alex Young ready to come in and relieve him uh, in the fourth or fifth inning um, and carry another couple, you know, another, you know, couple innings. Um, I could see sort of a piggyback situation there where having a lefty to come in, you know, after a righty could be um, very helpful. And it, it just seems to me like, um, like Luke Weaver's situation might be the spot where they might need that help. Um, right. But it also, you know, and if you don't have to use it, you don't have to use it, that's fine. What happens when Merrill Kelly gets into a pinch in the third inning? You know, sure. he's, he's not a guy with necessarily the raw stuff to like pitch his way out of it. Um, he's going to need to try to, you know, use the sinker, use the changeup, try to get a ground ball. Um, but if you feel less comfortable with that, if, if the lineup's stacked with, uh, with a bunch of lefties to face Merrill Kelly, then you call in Alex Young and you know that he can get you, you know, hopefully, you know, give you that left on left uh, advantage through that chunk of the lineup. And then, you know, you don't have to pull him immediately either. So uh, mm. I sort of like having, you know, I feel like the 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 right handed starting pitchers are maybe a little vulnerable in this scenario. And so it might be really nice to have Alex Young there as sort of a, a safety valve um, should push come to shove. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a we've got a 60 game season. It's it's going to be uh, nothing like anything we have ever seen, but it starts on July 23rd. And we are certainly excited to take it all in with you. We'll get on a more regular schedule of, of doing shows here now that things are a little bit more in order. And certainly we also want to acknowledge that uh, given the coronavirus, none of this is really a given um, and we've heard talk uh, along the lines of, of the uh, NBA that, you know, they had a bunch of players test positive and, and they're taking precautions as of now, still planning to play the season. But uh, unfortunately, this is a very, a very fluid situation. So uh, every moment that we have to talk about real baseball, uh, let's uh, let's take advantage of it as much as possible. Um, but yeah, with that, that is all that we have here for episode 21 of the Rattle Podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. If you haven't already, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at, at the Rattle AZ. 
You can find me on Twitter at, at Jesse and Friedman or Jeff at, at outfieldgrass twenty four. Uh, we would we would love to interact with you on that platform. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, check out our website, www.therattle.net. We've got some new pieces uh, coming up there here shortly. Uh, Joshua just wrote one the other day that was good uh, about Robbie Ray's situation and, and walking through his case to maybe be the best pitcher on the Diamondbacks. That's uh, an ongoing series that Joshua's been doing that's been really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, Jeff, it's it's just really good to talk about baseball again. Absolutely, man. Absolutely glad we could do it. And that is all we have here for episode 21. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more soon here to talk about the 2020 Arizona Diamondbacks.